Hey, lucky you, you're listening to the Story Forward Podcast with us, your host, Larry Rosen and Christian Wynn. And we are hunkered down here in Boise, Idaho, collecting incredible stories from the world of sports for this, our third, maybe fourth season. Depends on how loyal you are. I know. And the, the, the funny thing I like to say, at least, it's our it's the third season, but it's actually our fourth season, but the third, fourth season. So <laughs> it's, 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 you know, it's, it's been boom. One thing we tried to do with this uh, season of storytelling from the world of sports was to expand a little uh, away from the big three sports, baseball, football, basketball. Though as we were collecting stories, I started to realize there's a lot of people who want to talk about baseball and it's a sort of softer twin softball. Softball, I know. But for this episode, we're going to be talking about skateboarding. Skate. Skateboarding, which, yeah, we didn't really get into the full on history, but that does kind of seep into the conversations. A little bit. Yes. We have two storytellers for two this. Primary storytellers. Two primary storytellers. And one of them, believe it or not, you're going to hear from Brett Battistain. But the... The actual Brett Battistain comes in here, looks over the equipment he loaned us, patted us on the back for being able to use it, launched into his story. We think things are being recorded right now. We hope, we certainly <laughs> we hope, hope so. <laughs> if you're hearing this, it worked. Uh, <laughs> Our second um, storyteller is Erica Deschner Cornwall, uh, who came to skateboarding a little late in life, but boy, it, it became very important to her. I know, late in life being like 25 yeah, years yeah. old. Yeah, I don't so. mean she's like Fred Astaire, 70 years old. <laughs> I know, I who you that. do interject. I do interject the Fred Astaire. Astaire. I didn't know this. Because I remembered it because I was really into skateboarding in the 70s. I know. So here's the thing. So you're going to get Brett and Erica. Um, and you're going to get me, both of us, actually slowly realizing how into skateboarding I was in the 70s. I know. And I mean, I thought I was sort of into it, but I was, I mean, I definitely knew I was into it. It was, it was like an idea, but I was not. You were not I don't out know. There, I, I certainly don't know. In the streets, man. <laughs> I know. And Taking so what the streets. You were. I was. Mr. Rosen. So. What I, was, I, I want to ask you. Okay. You needed like a, like a little micro story. Micro story. About like, I don't know, the quintessential somethingness of your skateboarding experience. He grew up the partly in Southern California. Most, like, yeah. Kind of formative years, Southern California. Well, yeah. it has to do with that because I got into skateboarding because when I moved to Southern California from a small town in Pennsylvania when I was 11, uh, baseball wasn't helping anymore because, you know, I showed up with, you saw the picture, the big glasses, the big I hair. Did. Yep. Um, and fortunately, my best friend in sixth grade, Dave Kruger, shout out Dave. Uh, we still talk. Oh, good. Hi, Dave. Um, that's who set the picture. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, he was into skateboarding. And I don't actually know if he had been into it much longer than me, but I got into skateboarding and, and it totally took over our lives. Now, at no point was I a skilled skateboarder. I was a little boy. I, was, I remember once being the skateboard in our, in our area, it was the Concrete Wave in Anaheim. And it had everything, you know, bowls. So the skateboard park. It was a skateboard park because they okay. were building skateboard parks. A freestyle area, some bowls, and like sort of, they didn't really have half pipes then, but something similar. I remember once going down the half pipe thing right down the middle and not going <laughs> on any of the walls. But it sort of took over my life to where I owned like two or three boards and we read Skateboarder Magazine every month and treated the skateboarders as if they were on a par with baseball stars and football okay. stars. Yeah, because they kind of were probably in Southern California. I mean, Not really. They were still, um, in, and we talk about this a little bit with Erica, where in the 70s and 80s, skateboarding wasn't a career proposition. Right. 
And I think she bristled at that a little bit. She seemed to, I know. Yeah. But, but it wasn't, it, right? I mean, well, no, you're, from your take, at least, it wasn't. Yeah. I don't think for any of the pros, it really was either. I mean, like it or not, Tony Hawk was the one who made it so that you could get rich skateboarding. Video games and all that. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think those guys could make as much as like a real estate appraiser or something, but it wasn't like, I'm going to be a skateboarder professionally, and this is going to be the world I live in until I'm 70. Hmm. So, but that's how I thought. I thought of them as, as every bit as famous as Rod Carew and Joe Montana and whoever. So... When I got to meet Stacy Peralta at the Concrete Wave once, it really made my and day. What was going on there? It was like some sort of we. Dave and I used to go to the Concrete Wave like maybe once a month or so, and we'd pay our little money and we'd go out there and we'd skateboard around. And uh, one day we went there, and I don't know what was going on. I think maybe um, Skateboarder Magazine must have been shooting. Some, although I don't know, I think sometimes professional skateboarders just showed up at parks because they were what they were nineteen years old, like. Yeah, how, so how old was he? How old was Stacy Peralta in 1977? I think he might have been 19 years old. So about five years older than you at that No, time? no, eight years older than us. Eight, okay, so and you that were that was 11. a big eight years because okay. I was like four foot ten. He was <laughs> okay. a grown, grown man. And you know, I'm remembering now that we had seen the movie Free Wheel in the night before. Okay. Which is this documentary that was about Stacy Peralta. And we're like, oh my God, Stacy Peralta. He's like the coolest guy in the world. And he had long blonde hair. And my sister thought he was cute. And he was so rad. And he wore red vans. And um, I didn't know anything about that Dogtown and Z-Boys thing. Some of those other guys were kind of scary. But Stacy Peralta was definitely family friendly for an 11-year-old. Hmm. So we go out to the skateboard park. And there they all are. You know, There's like Steve Bertelman, I think, was one guy. And... And Russ Howell, who um, figures in in um, Erica's story, Erica's story. Yeah. he was out there doing wheelies and three sixties because he was a, <laughs> he was a freestyle guy. And I was like, I'm going to be a freestyle guy because I wasn't good enough to do anything else. No, no, that's no knock on Russ. He could do other stuff. I think maybe even the Logan brothers were out there and Tony Alva. Not the Logan brothers, who I don't even have any idea. <laughs> they were a little bit older. Bruce okay. Logan and I forget his brother's name, and they had a sister, Robin Logan. They owned their own. Their, their own brand, Logan Earth Ski. Okay. So we're, I'm very intimidated and I'm riding around. I'm just a little kid with all this hair. And I just remember I got in line once for one of those, one run, because there were runs back then. Everyone's okay. all lined up and Stacy Pralta is standing next to me. Oh. And he looks at me and he says, go for it, dude. <laughs> That might have been when I rode right down the middle. <laughs> you were scared. <laughs> but I could not believe Stacy Peralta spoke to me. It wasn't yeah. as if a 19-year-old spoke to me. It was Stacy freaking Peralta. And that, I believe what Brett Battistain's response to that line that you just shared now was like, and you've been going for it ever since. <laughs> 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 Mr. Louis Rosen. That's arguable. Going. Yeah, you're going to hear a truncated version of this story in Brett's. Cause I just no, I think that was it. just on the side. Was it? Just okay. in the... In the kitchen of the home studio here now i didn't continue skateboarding no nope. i'm not sure if dave did we even we made our own skateboards for a while what out of what how'd you do that actually, actually he made our skateboards oh so okay. there was a brand called santa cruz do you remember santa, I remember cruz? santa cruz yeah so ours was they called, did like clothing i think too. they did clothing too and they made skateboards ours was called santa claus <laughs> and it had the same type of that's lettering. good <laughs> so a we, jewish guy what do you think right so <laughs> we did like we did the whole thing we had We'd made the boards and they were like 12 ply. Dave's dad helped us. And so you like did the clamps and all that yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. And they had a rail going around the middle. And I remember we wrote Santa Claus down that. And then on each smart. side, it would say, ho, ho, ho. 
And we did a whole ad campaign because Dave was a really good artist and I was a really bad artist. But I pretend he, thank you, Dave, for pretending like we were peers. No. Um, he's that... actually an artist now. But, and we did like all these ads, like pictures of Santa Claus riding in a pool, you know, and elves. That's like, you could and bring our, it back. You and we like, had wheels because yeah. back then PowerFlex wheels were really cool. They were all different colors. So we, I remember that, yeah. We wanted to take our PowerFlex wheels, which is illegal, and that kind of, grind the name off of it oh yeah <laughs> and we call them claws claws you know well, you get c-l-a-u-s c-l-a-w-s yeah. oh yeah and our, our 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 tagline was and they're made by elves <laughs> we were clever 11 year olds man that's amazing i mean, <laughs> I mean right. don't just give that away for free right here on the <laughs> know, air right? like someone's santa gonna take claus that. skates could the bearded head honcho be the head of santa claus skates i know who would your CEO be? Santa Claus, obviously. Uh, yeah. The yeah. old SC himself. So. Uh -huh. They come from the North Pole. They skate. I know. If we were smarter, we would have had like guys dress up in Santa Claus suits and skate in pools. Because that's what you did back then. You skated in pools. But guess who didn't skate in pools? Me. Dave Kruger did. They were, they were, they were knocking down a house near us up a hill. And we went up there one day. And we're like 10, 11 years old. And all these teenage guys are up there. And I just remember Dave did it. Like he didn't get he super like, high, yeah. You know he didn't get you know air or anything, but he went in there and he skated that pool, and I watched. I know it. Well, we can just get into the stories here in a second, but I wonder when the first person to like decide, like, oh, swimming pool. I and think that's well, in, wait. By the way, you just had a swimming pool built at your house. I did, but that's not germane to this story. No one's skating know, in that pool. I know, but you're it's not. Square. I was gonna say you're not gonna try it out. No, it's square. Oh, oh, I, think it, I think in Dogtown and Z-Boys, they cover when guys started skating. Uh, they're like, oh. That, yeah. yeah. Anyways, for me, it was a pretty short-lived uh, fad. It, probably seventh, eighth grade, I stopped because I wasn't hanging out with Dave anymore. We went to different junior highs. Um, I had a board. I broke my Santa Claus board. I used to say, I broke my Santa Claus. Was, was it like the architecture of the board not viable? Or was well, it? It, they were kind of, they weren't <laughs> the strongest boards. They were very flexible, but they were, weren't very strong. I broke, so I broke my Santa Claus board in the bowl of the concrete wave. Probably not. I probably was just in this freestyle area and I probably like tried to do a kick turn and push down too hard. You got angry, threw it against yeah. the pillar. But if you are interested in Road Rider Wheels, Dave does uh, moderate a Facebook group for Road Rider Wheels. Okay. Road rider enthusiasts. We should have gotten him on the podcast. I know. I thought about that, but it's oh, too well. late. And too late now, but we have who now? Speaking of too late, we are going to go right into Brett Battistain, who's going to tell a story about how skateboarding changed his life. Like completely, like refigured mm -hmm. his thinking and- Made him uh, the man he is today. Also made him understand his father a lot better. Go get him. Our next storyteller is well known to us, but maybe not you. You've probably heard his name a bunch, though. It's actually in the flesh. Founder and operator Ease Drop Studios and Network. Brett Battistain. Yes. Hello. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's been a running joke that Christian loves saying Brett Battistain. I do. It's a good name. It is. It is. <laughs> a lot of good kind of assonance to it, I guess, right? But among alliteration, the, alliteration, alliteration is always, always good. Yeah. Among the other thing, all the many things that Brett has his hand in, like podcast production, stand up comedy, parenting is skateboarding. So we've brought him here to tell a story about skateboarding and how it impacted his life during his formative years. Brett? <laughs> yes. All right. All right. So my this story goes back to, it's probably 20 years ago. So I was 14. I'm 34. 
So 14, I was in, I think, eighth grade. Um, so like the tail end of middle school. I started skateboarding when I was so young, like second grade type thing where I think a lot of people my age saw like back to the future, Ninja Turtles yeah. and Bart Simpson. Oh, yeah. And they were like, okay, this is my thing too. <laughs> <laughs> so I started skateboarding really young. My dad was like a California skater surfer when he was a kid. Mm. So we bonded over it. And uh, that comes into the story later because then from that point up until the time I was in eighth grade, I just became a real dirtbag. <laughs> <laughs> so I leaned full into skateboarding, like rejected all other sports, was like skating and punk rock music. That's my thing. And everybody else can just piss off. <laughs> um, and that started to rub my dad, who was uh, became a pretty straight-laced person as he became an adult. <laughs> Uh, kind of like a, like the old Republican type thing where they'd often say stuff like, well, I'm uh, socially liberal, but fiscally conservative, that mm -hmm. type of thing. The yeah, actual right. Republican. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that's kind of how he, what he grew up to be. Uh, and he was always uh, happy with me to express myself and uh, be into the things that I was into, but he just didn't want me to be like, uh, he didn't want me, me to be mean to people and he wanted me to apply myself <laughs> and try like in school. And I was not into that. And he wanted me to be honest. Uh, and at this point in, when you're a 14 year old punk rock skater, honesty is not I did, at the, the forefront. These aren't oppressive goals. No, they're not. <laughs> no. But as a suburban, uh, white boy growing up in Boise, Idaho, they were, they felt very oppressive. <laughs> so I'm 14. I've been skating all this time, getting into trouble with my friends throughout all of that. Uh, and really just, uh, trying to figure it all out, right? Like you start doing as you're about to enter high school and trying to kind of find how you fit into the social mold and all that stuff. So, 14 is also when AOL Instant Messenger just was kind of like a thing. So we would get on AIM and talk to girls. Mm -hmm. um, and so there was girls in my like eighth grade class or they were in other eighth grade. They were in eighth grade with me at my school uh, and they were cute and I wanted to date all of them uh, and they really didn't want anything to do with me. <laughs> but they did tell me one night that they were going to sneak out. Um, of their house that night and I should come meet them. And I was like, excellent. Sounds good. And, uh, I went and met them. Nothing happened. They just sat in an Albertson's parking lot for a while and then all went home and I was like, this sucked. <laughs> this was stupid. But when I got home, my dad was waiting for me in my room. Uh, so he was like, go to bed and we'll talk about this in the morning. Next morning, he's like, you can't sneak out like that. And at this point I, I'm just like so done with his rules, man. <laughs> and I just get like such a pithy little like pissy attitude towards him. And uh, he basically tells me like the whole like, well, if you're in my my house, my rules type thing. And I do the, well, maybe I don't want to be in your house anymore. And then to this, this is actually like, I respect my dad so much now. He's since passed, but... I, I think about this all the time and it is so formative to me because he then did the thing where he went down into my room, which was in our basement 
grabbed a suitcase and started packing it for me. And I, <laughs> so I was like, fine, whatever, man. And so I just, I grabbed my skateboard. I grabbed the bag that he's packed for me and I skate from my house in West Boise all the way to downtown Boise. So, you know, like, uh, 10 or 12 miles, something like that, skateboarding from the early morning uh, hours of the morning. And I get to roads at sunset. So it's oh, hours, wow. hours of just skateboarding from my house, my childhood home that I grew up in across the entire city of Boise. But you're holding a bag. I know. Well, I it's like, it's on, it's on, it's like a duffel bag. Okay. So it's like flung over my shoulder. Right. Where, yeah, okay. yeah. 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 And so, Rhodes is a skate park in Boise. Yes. And it used to be, it's really, really nice now. It's like a world-class skate park. It used to be a dog shit. It was like uh sketchy. There was not that much stuff there to like actually skateboard on, but it's where you could go to like meet other dirt bags. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was interesting though, because I really did have a lot of time to actually reflect on how I acted towards my dad. And I think that day of me skateboarding from my house to Rhodes really ended up kind of shaping my high school years and into like my twenties and now who I feel like I am as a 34 year old. Hmm. Because I started to realize as I was skateboarding and doing like the thing that I love the most that I <laughs> just like pushed the entire world away because this is all I cared about. It really, in retrospect, I don't know if I realized it at the time, but thinking about it now in retrospect, I can really look at it and be like, uh, think, remember how I was thinking about how like, yeah, you know, my dad actually is right. Like <laughs> I actually should have just been, I could have very easily just been cool about it and not just been an asshole to be an asshole, you know? Cause that's like the whole thing of that is like, I'm just being a jerk to be a jerk and not really caring. And that's kind of like the ethos of that. But at the, like, you still have to have people in your corner that you, and that's kind of what you realize, I think, as you kind of move out of that phase is that you still, right. You can push people away, but you still have to have people in your corner and your parents can hopefully be one, will usually be one of those people if you let them be. <laughs> in thinking about that story, have you ever considered how much faith your dad had to have in you to let that happen? That I, I think about that all the time. It's very true. And, and even previous to that, the fact that they, his sorts of oppression were so mild <laughs> you know what i mean like he didn't like he just didn't want me to wear like uh when i was growing up like low riding like putting like your pants like hanging down oh yeah was like very popular and he was like i don't like that like just don't do that like i don't care if you're wearing like if you have like see your boxer briefs. yeah he was like i don't care if you have like blue hair i don't care about any of that like just like but can you just like pull your pull pants up <laughs> and i mean that's not a lot to ask, no, right? No. In, in my specific circumstance, that's so so little to ask of your your child is to be like, "Hey, like I'm giving you a pretty good ride right now. You could you just like wear pants that fit you?" And yeah, like skateboarding up until that point had really been my 
coping mechanism. I grew up very ostracized because I grew up Baha'i in a very Mormon area of Boise where, I mean, there's a lot of Mormons in Boise in general, but in my particular area of Boise was very Mormon. And so I was already kind of like ostracized automatically because they all had like uh, an inherent connection to each other. Mm. And I didn't have that. I didn't see them every Sunday at church. They would have like church activities at their houses and stuff that I couldn't go to. So skateboarding was really my, that was the thing where I was like, this is my thing. And you guys don't get to have any of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and after that, after spending the entire day skateboarding, it's not that I quit skateboarding, but I f- started to feel like I needed to find something else because going skateboarding across town is only going to like get you to the skate park and then you're going to be too exhausted to enjoy it. <laughs> and then you, once you get there, you realize that you have to skate all the way back home. I know. Did you do that? I did. Wow. That's, <laughs> yeah. So that night? That night, yeah. With your giant duffel bag? <laughs> mm-hmm. With a giant duffel bag, had to skate all the way back home. And then I remember getting back to my house and kind of like peeking in through a window because I was like, I'm going to just try and like sneak in and pretend like none of this happened. <laughs> and my dad saw me peeking through the window and opened the door. He was like, you're good. Come on. Like, you're good. You can come in. Don't worry about it. But like, <laughs> you get cool. it now, right? And I was like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> so you have you have little kids or seven and four? Is that seven and four, yeah. Have you ever thought about what you would, how it would feel to sit there and hope that your kid came back? Uh, yeah, I think about it all the time. You know, like I trust he'll come back, mm-hmm. but what if he doesn't come back? I know. So. My, my dad was actually famous for this in my family too, because he purposefully left me at the grocery store one time. <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> on purpose. Because he, I would always like trail off just get distracted by like the toy aisle or something <laughs> sure and uh so one day he was like no more no more to- don't go to the toy aisle don't wander off and if you do we're, i'm gonna leave you here <laughs> and i did and then he left he left me and my sister was in the car with him and freaked out uh until uh he pulled off and allowed my sister to run in who's two years older than me to run into the store and find me and drag me out of the store <laughs> oh, but man. he was like no i was gonna leave it how old were you then uh, I was probably five or six. Oh, you were yeah. super young. Yeah. yeah. You, well, one thing I want to ask you before we get out of here, we get, you get out of here, I guess. We had to stay. But I, um, <laughs> I know you're a big movie guy, too. Uh-huh. So best, worst skateboarding movies in your mind. And where does early 90s fit into that? <laughs> uh, well, I can tell you that. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that must have rung a bell. Yeah. There's a lot of bad. There's not really a good one, other than like um, gleaming the cube. I remember gleaming the cube. (laughs) Probably the only good, actually good one is the uh, Lords of Dogtown. Dogtown one, the documentary. No. Oh, the the feature. I don't think I ever saw. Yeah, there's a feature film, and it's got like uh, Emil Hirsch's, Jay Adams, uh, and then uh, the documentary is also good, like Dogtown and Z Boys. Uh, Yeah, I like that one. uh, But. There was one, there was a, a, a movie and a sequel that were huge for me that was The Skateboard Kid and The Skateboard Kid 2. <laughs> I've never heard of this. It's like The Karate Kid, but it's like on skateboard. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, it's like a kid moves to a town, doesn't get along with anybody, finds a, like a magic skateboard, and then the skateboard helps him uh, solve his problems. And <laughs> Did I get the title of that movie wrong? Is it not called Early 90s? 
What's the Jonah Hill? Oh, movie? mid-90s. Mid-90s. Yeah. Mid-90s. Yeah, that one's pretty good. Because that's kind of your era, isn't it? Or no, you're younger than that. No, that's about my... I mean, that's when I was like getting into skating. Because I was born 88. So that's like... Yeah, if I had seen that and had a son who was into skateboarding, I would have taken the skateboard away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, would, I don't even know that movie. It's good, but it, it's a, a little kid who's young and way in over his head. Who's okay. a skater. Yeah, I was not... Because I was in suburban Boise, mm-hmm. like we had to like make our own trouble, but it wasn't any, it wasn't ever any like real trouble. It wasn't anything that was so dangerous that we could. Yeah. That kid was like, in danger. Yeah, exactly. Like we weren't going to like parties with like older kids or right, anything like right. that or like adults. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, like in. I didn't try drugs or anything until I was like much older. <laughs> uh, so when I was a, I was a skater in the seventies briefly. Yeah. And for like us, the first boom, the first boom. And for us, the movie was, there was a movie called freewheeling. Yeah. I know freewheeling. You know, it, it was a documentary with Stacy Peralta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For us, Stacy Peralta was it. Yeah. Stacy Peralta, huge. And that was like there of like, Jay Adams, Tony Alva. Yeah, that's that was like the Dogtown and Z Boys. That's why I like the documentary. Yeah, me t- I, I love that documentary. Thank you so much, Brett. And you know what? Uh, before we let you go, when I was doing my intro, I left out one thing. I said you're a podcast studio owner and producer, but you're also a podcaster. Oh, yes. yes. And yeah. we get to the part where we want you to promote what you want to promote, you might want to start with that. Okay. Right now? Right yeah. now. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, wait an so hour or so. I, I do host, I co-host a podcast with two of my friends, Dylan Haas and Tucker Petrell, uh, and we're just three like movie dorks, and we do a show called Chew Bubblegum and Kick Ass. It started as a John Carpenter podcast. It's not a John Carpenter podcast anymore. We pick a like a theme or a subject or like a subgenre of movies, and then we each nominate what we think is the best of that subgenre or theme. And then we watch each of those movies, and then we argue about which one is the best. How much do you drill down on the sub-genre? It's like, what's an example of one you've done in the past? Uh, the one we're in the middle of releasing as we record this is uh, Incidental Christmas Movies. So that's like all your oh, non-Christmas Christmas. Well, not we're not doing Die Hard. We'll never cover Die Hard for any genre. <laughs> for any? Oh, oh really? Die Hard Do you do Home Alone? Uh, Home Alone's too Christmassy. We're d- the three movies that we're doing are uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Three Days of the Condor, and Cobra. Uh, <laughs> we've also I didn't done know those were Christmas movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Incidental Christmas. Yeah, movies. I uh, guess so. And then like we've done like uh, Tall Building movies, also not Die Hard. Uh, <laughs> Towering Inferno or you two? That actually won. Towering Inferno okay. won that yeah. one. We've done uh, late great sequels, so that's like movies that had like uh, at least like fifteen years between the fir- er, first mm. and second movie, or first and like later movie or something like that. So we did like uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine versus Psycho two versus Creed. So, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Good. it's a good way for us to talk about like all sorts of different kinds of movies. So like and people it. can find that on any place you get podcasts. Any place you get podcasts, Spotify. Uh, Apple Apple Podcasts, all the the normal, all the, usual all the normal podcasts, and and eavesdrop, uh, yeah, podcast. the eavesdrop website. Yeah. And I know you have uh, you're on Instagram with that too. Yes, uh, I think it's at CBKA Pod. Right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, thank you, Mr. Battistain. Yes, thank you for having me, Larry and Christian. Appreciate it. Thank you, Brett. Uh, you know, we thanked him already, but I want to thank him again, not only for that great story, but without Brett Battistain, this podcast is not possible. 
That is absolutely true. <laughs> I know. I mean, it w- we could have done it just on iPhones or something like that. I yeah. <laughs> the, the high quality sound you're getting today is all 100% due to Brent Battistain. Battistain. Here we are with Erica Deschner Cornwall, one of our f- our favorite storytellers. She's been around for at Storyford a bunch and uh, gone into her studio and done some work uh, around story and whatnot. But yeah, Larry and I are uh, happy to have you here in the home studio. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> for those of you who have been to Boise for Tree Fort, you might have seen Erica participate in our Backstage Pass uh, storytelling event. Um, and I think the story she's telling today is related to the story she told then, which painted uh, Henry Rollins' sui generis rocker in a very favorable light. Um, before we get into the story, though, Erica, you recently had a film project released. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Of course. Oh, sure. I always love hanging out with the two of you. you know, time. <laughs> Well, I actually have spent the last four years working on a film project here in Boise, Idaho, and it is called We Are Roads, and it is about the skate park and how the kids and the city and the Boise Skate Park Association all came together and built a million-dollar park, which the park itself is like a character all of its own. If you think about uh, Benjamin Button, and how they made New Orleans kind of a character. That was the whole idea. Like, oh, because uh, that's the same park. Uh, we just had Brett Battistain telling a story, and that's the park he ran away to, right? Yeah. And he but said it's much was, nicer now. It is. It is. How long has it been since they redid it? They redid it in 2016 is yeah. when they started breaking ground to make the new park. And it is incredible. I mean, they've had, like, I guess, mini X Games. The X Games has come a couple times at least, right? Correct. And it's, I oh. guess, world class. And it's like, yeah, so it's like, I'll try out. Like, it's like making your way to the X Games, right? If you Yes, the qualifiers. qualifiers that's the word I wanted to oh. use. Yeah. And that's, that hasn't happened since COVID, I don't think. But or well, maybe it did. I always like going to check it out, even though I'm not a skater skater. But yeah. Well, they haven't had the X Games qualifiers here since then. But that is okay. only because... You can't have the X Games qualifiers in a park more than a f- the number of times. Uh, so they reached their limit, and then we'll probably have to wait another 10 years before okay, we can okay. get it again. Okay. But it's a real deal. That's a cool uh, project is. you're working on. But Grind- I've interrupted you. Go ahead. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, Grindline is amazing. And I have to shout out to Grindline because a few of the local Boise skaters that grew up that I got to skateboard with at Rhodes Park before it was this elite bowl. It was our sweet, sweet place, and they helped build it because they work for Grindline. Hmm. They're also in the process of breaking ground out in Victory and Maple Grove. Molinaire Park is the next big Boise park. Hmm. That's cool. Well, well, tell us a little bit more about the movie, though. Oh, well, it's actually part of a trilogy, Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm a Star Wars fan. (laughs) (laughs) Sci-fi skateboarding. So I currently released that one, We Are Roads, and I've already talked about it. The prequel to that is called The Chud, which was a skateboard (laughs) ramp that moved around Boise. And it kind of Was Chud an acronym? I don't know. I'm actually actually in the process of researching more. Okay. And, well, uh, uh, the artist uh, Pusshead, Oh. Have you ever heard of Pusshead? Nope. So <laughs> Chud Pusshead. <laughs> They're fun to say. 
Well, Brian Schroeder is a famous artist, and he did album covers for Metallica okay. and uh, a few others. And I would, I'd have to do my lifeline to Does get his a mom few more. Call of those. Him yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> probably not. I I do believe though he now is in San Francisco. Uh, just to take a quick wrap on that. The Chud was started here with people like Jeff Tolak and a lot of the lo- local skaters that were here in the 80s. That became a zine. I don't know if you ever remember the zines from the 80s. Yeah, that the kids, sure. They're, okay. they're coming back. They are they, coming back. Still, maybe they never went away completely, but... I hope not. I, I'm, I've been DIY making them the whole time. Yeah. I don't want to get too far afield, but are they coming back in printed form? Oh, yeah. There's yeah. A, we're doing, we've done some stuff. Actually, we had a guy named Nicky Mustard here who has oh, a, who's a very, very prolific zine maker. Um, and I, you know, we have had, uh, there's a zine fest that just happened wow. last weekend. So. so this is the research that you're helping me with right now. <laughs> well, I guess I have to give you a little bit of credit in my next film. Okay. Right. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> Well, I actually want to tell you the story about when I was skateboarding quite often because I didn't start skateboarding until I was 25. And it wasn't that I thought I wanted to be a skateboarder. It was that I kept ending up at this Rhodes Park. And I met Russ Howell, who's a famous skateboarder, who is also in the Chud. Or actually, he's actually in the Chud and in We Are Rhodes. Is he an older man? Yes. Yes, that's one of the that's the name I was trying to think of from Russ Howell. I was trying. I was telling Chris about this skateboard park story I have from 1977, when all like the pros showed up one day, and I was like, Russ, Russ something, Russ something, Russ Howell, Russ Howell, hmm. the 360 King. Mm-hmm. He held Guinness Book of World Records. Russ Howell. The- what is what is the 360? I mean, as far as like you just go you, on well, the back wheels kind of thing? There's or? two different kinds of skateboarding. Okay. I, well, I mean, there's a lot of different kinds of skateboarding, to be totally honest. There's street skating, there's vert skating, and there's flatlining. So it's like Rodney Mullen style where you're using physics to figure out the flipping of your board and how mm-hmm. to keep it pretty much ground level. Russ was actually the world champion before the Do- Lords of Dogtown kind of craze mm-hmm. came about. He was there. And mm. uh, it, it's like that. that and there was only of the really guard. one kind of skateboarding then. Yeah, there was only one kind of. It was like surfing on land. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's where skateboarding originated mm-hmm. was the surfers. So. Hmm. Well, we'll let you get into your story. Yeah, we'll we'll be quiet. I'm just so excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, it it actually kind of segues into what I who I want to talk about. So at the age of 25, I did just start doing a lot of street skating. And I was doing a lot of that style. Like Russ had given me my first board to try out at the Rhodes Park and and that flatlining became um, really my style. And I had a really tough time ollieing. But I I managed to get the ollie and I'm gonna totally blow this because I wanted to tell you at the very end, but my favorite skateboarding story ever is one line. It was the day I learned how to ollie. My kid got home from school and I showed him and he cheered for me. (laughs) So (laughs) that's not that punk rock skateboard story that you might've been expecting, but no, it was all about impressing my kid. That's awesome. So I actually went on my 30th birthday and did a whole skateboard Slayer tour. I started in British Columbia and skated during the day and then went to the concert. Then I went just down the coast to like 
Bellingham, Washington, Seattle, Portland, then came back home to Boise. I had never seen another park. I'd never seen a really big park. I mean, I came from Great Falls, Montana. When I got here, Rhodes little flatline park was really cool. And then we got Fort Boise, which is like this little tiny park. But these guys are just dropping in on these big bowls. And I didn't know how. I didn't know how to drop in. So I came back to Boise and I tried to drop in on this half pipe that we had at Rhodes Park that was pretty gnarly. And I hit the bottom several times. There was this guy watching and he was laughing. He actually cracked open a beer. I was the show. And he didn't give me any advice. He or had, any beer. Or any beer. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember he had tattoos on his neck and I don't know his name, but I was just, I, I was destroyed. I didn't learn it. I had hit that bottom so many times and I can still feel it in my teeth too. I think I actually cracked a tooth. And, <laughs> and I went to work at the Big Easy uh, that next weekend and uh, this guy by the name of Steve Schneer, who was a, he actually was a famous professional skateboarder in yeah. the 80s, was working there and he was on work release. He had gotten some trouble here in Boise and managed to get hired. So he would spend his evenings in jail and then he would come to work and I was his supervisor. (laughs) (laughs) I was not qualified to be a supervisor, but there was nobody else that was working in the club during the day because I was doing work like hospitality work and um, making menus and whatnot for when I pick up the artists that were going to be performing. So I told him about not being able to manage to drop in to to get to the other side and how many times I hit it and I I wanted to ride pools and I wanted to be the one of the cool kids and so he started building little ramps and we would start on the the stage at the big easy and he'd teach me how to drop in off of the ramp until I could get enough speed so I could ollie up steps and uh I'd that's the the best like best teacher ever he was so patient he was so fun he was a little bit crazy and just like cheered and i remember when uh our general manager was uh he he came back a little bit early and we were trying to like hide the ramps underneath (laughs) the deck and that that was a that was a really exciting time in my life and that actually segues into Steve became like my skateboard idol. He taught me how to do what I couldn't do. And I think that's, that's the whole thing about skateboarding. You find a mentor and then we go into this story that when I told you guys at the story fort, when I found out that Henry knew Steve, I didn't even realize he was a punk Henry Henry Rollins. Yes. Henry Mm. Rollins met Steve he he was all excited about meeting steve and i'm like oh my god he's a skateboarder so he's a skateboarder that tells cool stories and that was what was really exciting to me about henry i had no idea that he was Hmm. a punk musician i know you were one of the last i guess (laughs) (laughs) are you still i mean what became of steve oh steve passed away yeah he's no longer with us Hmm. and and that is that is a tragedy because great people in this world have so much light to give and 
he has burnt out. Well, it's interesting when you compare <clears throat> the, the outcomes of 70s and 80s skateboard stars with the outcome of skaters who came of age when it was a professional sport. You know. Yeah. What do you think on that front? Are you, yeah, that there's, they take care of themselves a little better now. Well, it's a professional sport. They train they can like make athletes. Money. Right. Whereas the okay. guys, when I was a kid, they were just punks. Right. In both forms of the word, both <laughs> meanings. Yeah, like punk rock, and they were punks. Yeah. Not that there was any less athletic ability yeah. in order to do it. But they didn't train. They well, I mean, they skateboarding is training. Yeah, I mean, they if you want to learn how to do it and but how I, to actually land a trick, it's repetitive. Yeah, you know, actually, maybe I, I'm coming about it the wrong way. It wasn't they didn't train; they didn't think of themselves as professionals until, like Tony Alva, maybe thought of himself as a professional. Stacey Peralta yeah. definitely thought of himself as a professional, but there were still guys. And what's Jay? What's Jay? Jay Adams. Jay Adams, and was it Christian Osoy? Yeah. These were guys. You know, yeah. some guys went off the path. They, well, they were, they were pioneers. Right. But there wasn't a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. Nope. And, but they weren't doing it for that pot nope. of gold. It didn't even occur to them. Right. And I, well, I, I still hope that to give that idea that people don't skateboard because they want money. Mm -hmm. They don't mm -hmm. skateboard because they want fame. Some just happen to achieve it. Right. Yes. And yeah, I'm curious, just uh, the logistics of the, the ramps at that. So, because the Big Easy is a mid-sized, you know, rock club um, in Boise, Idaho. And the stage sits up pretty high, right? So did you go down off the stage into like the audience, the pit area? Or something? Like, yes. Okay. So I just needed enough speed um, to be able to get an ollie up two stairs. Oh, I see. And, and cool. that was the whole thing is it was, I had to drop off of it. So right. he built it so that it would be a drop-off, not a roll-in. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was easy for me to do roll-ins. I came from Fort Boise, so I could like start in the corner and I could roll in and I could ride all the walls and I, I would say I'm a skateboarder. Others would say, nah, you're just riding the walls. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what a skateboarder is. Somebody Someone on a skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have people like Russ Howell, who uh, I do believe, I'm going to say he just turned 72. I was going to say he must be pretty old because he was older then. Yeah, he and he skateboarded on his birthday. I talked <laughs> to him. That's awesome. I remember in the 70s, it was a big deal because Fred Astaire broke his ankle skateboarding when he was 70. <laughs> yeah. What was he doing? He was skateboarding at his age. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we should wind out the conversation about the film a little bit. Uh, just kind of give us a sense of like the arc of the story. Well, <laughs> the arc of the story... It's, it's a documentary, and it's really about how people of downtown Boise, the business owners of downtown Boise, really didn't give a lot of the kids a chance. They, like we talked about already, saw the whole idea of skateboarders and people who skateboard are around skateboarding were criminals. Hmm. Um, punks. A, they were punks, yeah. There's, um, Paul, Paul Schoenfelter was... Um, my boss and he is the guy who worked for the city of Boise and he really recognized that there was this attitude but he also took the time to understand the kids that he was working with and find out why do you skateboard why why put your body through this and that's the whole idea is we all come together we have to listen to each other and we have to work together as a community to create great things 
And um, before you get going, where can people find the movie? That's a really good question. Mm, I'm known for that. I am in the process of trying to decide if I'm going to release it on a bigger platform or if I'm just going to save it for Argos TV and release it through our little Vimeo Argos TV that we did through COVID, which is kind of, it's all in the works. It's, uh, it's hard to say exactly where I'm going to release it, but I do have a YouTube channel Okay. and it's Roads to Bogus. You can also go to an Instagram channel, Roads to Bogus, and that's Roads, R-H-O-D-E-S-T-O-B-O-G-U-S. Okay. And those who don't know, Bogus is a ski resort, uh, or ski resort, it's a ski hill up the, up the, up up the hill from where we're sitting right now so yeah and so right. how do how how do those two kind of work together i mean that's the thing because <laughs> we've got a skate park in downtown boise and you've got a ski hill you know 15 miles up the hill well the thing about snowboarding is it's oh, just a continuation of that's surfing skating yeah. and, snowboard. and a lot of the players in the film talking about their history they're growing up and why they're doing it the things that they do lead into snowboarding uh-huh. so that leads to the final movie which will be the snowboarding story oh and as far as your vimeo platform argos it's argos tv so people can find that a-r-g-o-s well. yeah. argos correct yeah can i make one more little plug absolutely yes, you can so i have a group of friends that are doing something phenomenal in the same area of skateboarding they're working together to build a skate park in New Meadows, Idaho. And uh, if you have anybody who is looking to make some Christmas donations or throughout the next year, they're, uh, they're building the park for the kids in that community so that they can train during the summertime. How can they find them if they wanted to do that? There is a website called the New Meadows Skate Park Project. All right. It's also on Facebook and Instagram. Okay. Skateboard evangelist. I like it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay. That was great for America. I got to ask you something before we go. All you people from Boise. 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 Come Boise. on, be careful. I know. Uh, I almost feel like an honorary Boisean, but I'm not. And I'm, I, I've man, noticed I, that you all, are. I've noticed that when you guys never say Boise, you always say Boise, Idaho. Well, oh, it's not just you. All everyone who's coming here, and this is a, this is probably our most Boise-centric season we've ever had. Well, and everyone says Boise, Idaho, Boise, Idaho. Just to make sure people know that it's not, not Ohio or Boise, Japan. I, I know Ohio or <laughs> or Iowa. Or, I don't know if there are any other Boises, but this no, is the there's one. no other Boises. But people get confused by the state. I mean, I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I we're, mean, Justine out there in New York City might not she know. Might where, not know. She had been coming in strong in Boise, Idaho. All right, we're gonna wrap this up uh, again. I don't know if we've thanked Brett Battistain effusively enough, but if we haven't. One more time. <laughs> I feel like we have, but also we need to do it. Eavesdrop Studios, eavesdrop.com. Uh, for us, again, uh, story forward on Facebook, story dot forward, Instagram, right. and the Twitter. And all the major platforms as far as the actual podcast itself. So. Yeah, and you know, we never remind people to do read or uh, rate and review. 
Give Every us, once in a while, we do remember. remember. But we're going to be so did remember today. Professional. Give us that five star review. Give my story a five star review. I know. Chime in on all those socials that Larry yeah. just mentioned and say. Give Larry, Dave Kruger a five star review. I know. He could use it. He's just up there in his attic. I think clearing out some stuff. We're going to get more media, well, social media savvy. And we should actually probably put that picture of you two <laughs> up on our Instagram. Yeah, totally. So, as this thing is out so, there, you'll find out. And if you got there from Larry. looking at a picture with me with wings, then you know <laughs> what's going on. All right. That's all from us. Uh, one thing we try to always do is what? Keep the story moving forward. Thank you.